Well, I hope this podcast is a source of great encouragement for you and your colleagues, family members. I'm with Paul Myers of Myers House Buyers. I'm Neil Gordon. And how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to to have you. And I'm going to learn along with everyone else how to grow wealth and retire at the age of 34. Let me shake your hand. I'm, I'm just going to see if this will rub off on me. Wow. There you go. I know you owe this all to God. Oh, I definitely do. Um, uh, the Lord has been really gracious to me. I mean, I think about um, Michigan just beating Ohio State, and right. Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, potentially about Ryan Day, some people wake up on third base and they've hit a triple. I've definitely woken up on third base and acknowledged that, you know, the Lord has been so gracious to me. Um, you know, it goes back to Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, where God, it's actually a warning. He's mm-hmm. saying, be careful if you think it's your power and the strength of your hands that's produced this wealth for you. But, you know, actually, uh, it says, remember the Lord your God, for it's he who's given you the ability to produce wealth. So um, that's... Uh, to me, the biblical foundation, the biblical warning for being grounded and remembering that we're all just stewards. Yes, we are. And, and we're going to work our way through um, really Paul's 13-year career, ending in retirement where he transitions into building wealth. And there's some nuggets in it for you as well. But share with us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a native Augustan. Um, grew up here and um, my folks still live here in town, but graduated from Lakeside High School. I went off to University of Georgia. And uh, while I was in college at Georgia is when my granddad, mm-hmm. who was a multimillionaire, really wise with money, he gave me a book uh, my sophomore year of college called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And I read that book, and it talks a lot about how the rich buy assets that produce income. And the difference between an asset and a liability is that an asset puts money in your pocket at the end of every month. And so when I read that, I realized, you know what? I think I probably want to invest in real estate for the rest of my life because God just kind of gave me that as a passion. Fantastic. And um, uh, again, Paul's website is myershousebuyers.com. And he is available for some speaking, whether it uh, be to a civic group or, uh, it, of course, could be a real estate group if you're a broker or if you happen to be involved heavily in real estate and like to have him come and speak. He will, uh, he'll certainly be happy to do that for you uh, as well. Um, we're going to head back to the time when uh, I guess you've, you've met your bride. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How did the how did the marriage start out financially? <laughs> <laughs> Broken in love, right? Okay. Um, yeah, we had. I mean, we got married in summer of two thousand seven. I had no inherited wealth, so n- nor do I now, for that matter. But you know, you get married, you have. We we graduated college debt free, right? So we had that going for us. We didn't have any car loans or credit card debt, anything like that. But she had decided to pursue medical school here at, at MCG was what, was what it was called at the time. Right. Sure. And then, uh, so four years later, essentially we looked down and not only had, I had worked, so we at least had our living expenses covered, but we had to borrow still a hundred thousand dollars in student loans wow. to get through that. And so, you got some real life experience in real estate with the home that you and your wife lived in as well. Yeah, absolutely. We bought that home 
And we still own that home today. Okay. Right? It's one of our rentals. And uh, was it a good deal? Do you, as you look back, well, on it now? not really, because we bought it um, in 2007, which is the height of where things mm-hmm. were moving in real estate. And so, if we had waited a couple of years during to the recession, you know, in end of 2008 to 2013, we would have been a lot better off. But real estate, one of the great things about real estate as an asset class is it's very forgiving. So if you mm-hmm. give it time. If you get a renter in there to cover the mortgage and the tax and insurance, you you can offer oftentimes even if you buy at the at the height, you can recover if you just wait. So sure. now that property is one of our best rentals because we've got, you know, a two point seven five percent interest rate on it. Uh, we signed a five year lease with a new tenant, which is pretty rare to do in residential real estate. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's cash flowing and should have it paid off in a few years. I've always said everyone should have not only a mentor or two, but your own board of directors, if you can, yeah. someone to just bounce things off of. For me, we spoke off camera. Jeff Annis is one of my mentors. Derek sure. May, who worked for decades with Morris Communications. Yeah. Who was your mentor just after you and your wife started off a little bit? Broke? Yeah. Well, I had a mentor um, and he I basically shadowed him at nights. So he would, he had a suburban with a big trailer behind it that had all the little plumbing part, you know, PVC connections and anything you could need. And I would drive from my house over to his house and get in the suburban with him. And we would drive all across Columbia County and South Augusta and everywhere where he had rentals. And he did all of his own maintenance. Wow. So we were essentially going on calls for maintenance requests. Yeah. And meeting tenants. And I would ask my mentor, okay, how did you find this house? And how did you, what did you pay for? And what do you rent Mm -hmm. it for? And it was over that process of two years that essentially I realized this guy is a mega, mega millionaire and he's clearly done things the right way. What can I, how can I model that so I don't have to reinvent Mm. the wheel? If you could equate that to money, what is it worth to have a mentor, do you think? How many times oh, your dollar? Yeah. I tell people when they're looking to invest in mentorship, they need to try and 10x their return. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to spend $10,000 or $20,000, you really need to expect a return of mm-hmm. $100,000 or $200,000. Um, but it's hard to put a value on it because how can you quantitatively say uh, the mistakes that you're able to avoid, how can you quantify those into a dollar amount? You know, it's, it's hard to do. That's true, but there are there's so many good uh, business coaches out there, mm-hmm. and there's board, Vistage and Tab CSRA, the alternative board. So, I always recommend that too. That's that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and I'll interrupt you too. Yeah. When I started Myers House Buyers, um, I basically convened a formal board of advisors. I haven't mm. mentioned that to you yet, but yeah. So I've got six guys that come in once a quarter and they look at all the financials. They look at all the business decisions I'm making. They look at all the HR and personnel decisions I'm considering, the marketing channels we're mm-hmm. looking at. And they, they're they evaluating, giving me a second set of eyes to say, Paul, you're off here, you're off there. And their job is to essentially hold me accountable yep. um, to making wise decisions. Seven heads are better than one. That's right. Isn't that true? Absolutely. So that was in 2008 that you did the ride-alongs with your mentor. Then we mm-hmm. hit 2019 and VA foreclosures. 2009, yes. Or 2009, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the recession, and this is this is kind of one of the ways I, I woke up on third base, right, <laughs> is because 
the recession hits in Q3 of 2008, and I look around, and all these houses are totally on sale, right? It was the biggest sale in real estate um, probably for several decades, mm-hmm. maybe since the late 1980s, right, when the Resolution Trust Corporation was created. So I looked around, and I saw all these properties, and I looked at my mentor, and I said, is this really happening? Is this what I was reading all those books and training for? And he said, yes, this is your time. Do your thing. <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of happened into it, honestly, with the first VA foreclosure because it was just a property I was looking at off Old Petersburg Road mm-hmm. in um, Petersburg Village. And sure. I went to make an offer, and the listing agent who was going to double their commission because I was making an offer through him, mm-hmm. he looked at me and said, well, why don't you just get VA Vindy financing? And I said, well, what's that? They said, well, the federal government will lend you money to buy their foreclosures. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is put down 5%, not 20%, which is a big difference when you're starting. Mm-hmm. You can have as many mortgages as you want. There's no appraisal necessary, and you don't have to pay PMI, which is primary mortgage insurance. Right. So when I heard all those those I, um, stipulations, <laughs> I said, yes, please sign me up. I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take the VA Vindy financing. Yeah, well, that was your first entree. I suppose into um, real important real estate, and then your yeah. your career started to take off. Yeah, uh, and and you worked for a, a, a great Christian man, uh, Randy Hatcher. That's right, M A U, the CEO. Yeah. What was that experience like? It was wonderful. Best company I've ever worked for, and it's not even close. Yeah, um, Randy's just a great leader. Uh, he's been at it a long time. He really taught me a lot of things back then that I didn't realize I would need till now mm-hmm. that I own my own company. Right. So in terms of business ownership and servant leadership, mm-hmm. Randy was a 10 out of 10. So for me to kind of just, I think back getting a handwritten note from him as I was on the sales team, several rungs underneath him that mm-hmm. said, great job, Paul, you're doing well. The cream always rises to the top. Wow. You're getting those handwritten letters from him I remember how I felt, and it makes me now want to lead others the way I was once led. Right. So that's how I'd answer that. I remember years ago doing a business story on MAU because he would sponsor employees and their spouses to go to a weekend to remember yes. marriage retreat. Yes. Like nobody does that. Nobody right. cares that much. So yeah. that's uh, when you can find an employer like that, that's uh, that's yeah. terrific. In fact, we were beneficiaries of that because okay. we attended. Right. He paid for both the conference and all the lodging. So yeah, yeah extremely generous. So much to learn in terms of generosity too. And and speaking of your wife, a few years later in 2013, I understand you both got laryngitis somehow with screaming. Was there a, <laughs> was a scream involved? That's somehow? right. Yeah, we did eventually over about a three-year time period pay off her medical school student loans. So we were so excited about that. We wanted it to kind of be a landmark moment where we drew a line in the sand And so we cemented that by driving up to Nashville, going on Dave Ramsey's radio show and doing a live debt-free screen. Wow. That's great. It was a lot of fun. That's really neat. And then for many years, you continued in your career, MAU and so forth, with with a six-figure income, which is tremendous money in the CSRA, and continued tithing and, and doing all the right things. And then you came across, now this is only going back a few years, a 40-unit apartment 
complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happened next after it was discovered? Yeah. Um, it was just significantly distressed. And that's really kind of my calling card is just finding undervalued opportunities or distressed property. And the property was um, owned by a landlord in New York who was losing it in foreclosure to a bank in California. Mm -hmm. So two extremely far out locations as compared to Augusta. And it had been significantly mismanaged by a, a manager that was kind of living in a unit and freeloading a little bit. And so ultimately got in touch with the bank from California and they, and negotiated with them directly to buy it. And um, ultimately the property needed a significant renovation and it, it took, you know, it took six to 12 months to both renovate and then to release and bring the property up to full occupancy. And you learned some collaboration with some other Oh yeah. And things had, yeah. Part. Had to learn how to work with commercial agents, you know, how to learn how to work with a bank that has an asset they don't want. That's in receivership that they want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. um, I also had an opportunity to raise private money from individuals that you know, are high net worth individuals that wanted to get a good return on their money. So mm -hmm. I think that's a great progression for a lot of initial real estate investors out there that want to want money. They need money to fund their deals. Mm -hmm. How do you go talk to someone whose net worth is five, ten, fifteen million dollars right. to borrow a hundred thousand dollars? What are they looking for? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a great learning experience. And one of the things I'll go back to my time at MAU that I yeah. really learned that helped me with that deal in particular is mm -hmm. I learned how to sell. And MAU, another way Randy was generous to me was the company paid for me to attend sales training, professional mm -hmm. sales training from right. an organization called Sandler Sales Training. Oh yeah, and through that, that was probably one of the biggest contributors to my increase in income was just learning how to interact with people and how to sell and how to have a system and how to sell within that system and interact with prospects. And things was like this that. Uh, Eddie Huff? It was Eddie. Absolutely. Great, great trainer. Absolutely. And, and I know he's, he's transitioned into more of hiring yeah. company, I believe, but Sandler still exists. So if, if you want to look them up, it, it's still here in the CSRA. It is. Yeah, yeah. The local Eddie sold it to another new franchisee right. named Victor Lercy. Excellent. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so after the 40 unit apartment complex, she said, this is my vocation, right? You, you retired from that's right. That's being, right. Being an employee and that's and right. Working. Having a W two, being a W two, or yeah. if you yeah. will, I had done that for thirteen years. Right. As at that point, I pretty much decided it wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with the apartment complex per se. Right. But it had to do with all of my rentals appreciating and feeling mm -hmm. like we had pulled the boat close to the dock. That's a phrase I like to use a lot. Right. And at that point, why not go ahead and strike out on my own and really kind of do some of the things with Myers House Buyers that I've done. Um, so, yeah. And, um, so then you began, as you alluded to earlier, you began to hire mentors and you began to build your business. Yeah, that's right. And, and then that, that transitioned into very unique, um, marketing campaigns that you still have to this day, that's which right. I think share a little bit with our yeah. audience. It's pretty fascinating. So ultimately, yeah, within, within Myers house buyers, what we do is, um, we look for motivated sellers at the end of the day. I mean, that's what it all boils down to. If, if the simplistic summary of football is blocking and tackling, the simplistic overview of what Myers House Buyers does is we find motivated sellers. Mm -hmm. And that could be lots of different ways. I mean, we look at 
on-market and off-market deals. On-market would be traditionally listed properties with agents on the MLS. Mm-hmm. And then off-markets could be deals could be anything from for sale by owners. It could be um, driving for dollars is what it's oftentimes referred to, but having someone on staff, which we do, that drives in, in neighborhoods. We've mapped out the whole CSRA of 222 subdivisions and 406 streets. Wow. And we're driving those neighborhoods, right? Looking for, we look for 20 different signs of distress. It could be a tarp on a roof. It could be an overflowing mailbox or garage. It could be uncut shrubs or overgrown grass. Um, so there's lots of different types of physical yeah. distress. A property. Sort of the, a little bit of the low hanging fruit in the real estate world. That's right. I suppose. That's right. Except is, yeah. a lot of people, it takes work to go out and find the deals, yeah. right? And yeah. that's, um, a lot of people don't want to put in that work. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's that. And then there's so many other ways to find deals, right? There's code violations from the county. There's probate. Um, I could talk for an hour just oh, sure. about finding deals. So if you get a postcard in the mail and it has the picture of your home, don't be alarmed. <laughs> you're not being invaded. There's yep. an opportunity. That's right. Is that right? That's right. How yeah. does that work with the postcards? Well, we send um, about over 20,000 postcards a month. Wow. Um, so it's a significant investment. We spend over $10,000 just on postcards. And, uh, you know, people complain a lot about the postcards. And I tell you, I would love to not spend that money on postcards, <laughs> but it just keeps working. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, we just keep doing it. Yeah. But I never woke up and said, hey, I want to mail, I want to spend $10,000 a month right. mailing 20,000 postcards. That's not like a, sure. nobody wakes up thinking that, but. Um, it does, you know, elicit a significant response. Now the response is extremely low. It's a half a percent to 1%. Um, but it does, you know, seem to be effective. Well, here's, here's an easier way. I suppose, uh, Paul's website is myershousebuyers.com. And it's really set up both for folks who would like to sell their home and earn money right away sure. or investors as well that might like in on a really good deal. And, and you have a pretty unique um, way of contacting investors. Is yeah. that right? Each month? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So if a seller wants to sell, they can just reach out to us and we've got a, a team that will answer. I have a lady that works for me virtually that answers all inbound phone calls. Right. Mm-hmm. And she'll ask some questions about the house and get under, an understanding of the seller. And then I have another gentleman that will go on all of our appointments with homeowners, take a look at the home, figure out what in terms of we, if it's a fit and if we can make them a cash offer. And those offers are typically pretty simple. There's no closing costs. We pay for those. There's no commissions associated with the sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, the seller gets to pick the closing date. So that's right. essentially how it boils down for a, for a seller. And then for... If for people that are looking to buy homes, we do some of our deals we close and I might keep them as a rental or we might flip them or we might pay cash for them and put them back on the MLS. There's a lots of different strategies that we right. use to maximize profit, which is ultimately our job as real estate investors. Sure. But we also do assign some of our deals to other cash buyers. So we do have a list of cash buyers of about 1,700 people that are flippers and landlords. Mm-hmm. And they've said, hey, I want to make money through fixing and flipping, or I want to make money through buying and holding rentals. Right. And so if someone wants to be on our list, they can just reach out to us and they can send um, a guy on my staff an email or they can fill out contact information on our website. Sure. 
and uh, and connect with us there. And that's MyersHouseBuyers.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we'll, we're going to get involved a little bit more in the investment side coming up. But before we do so, uh, so this is um, – the first time you've been in this studio, yes. you were you. I think you were in a different downtown Augusta studio with Augusta yeah. podcast before. Yeah, what's your what are your impressions? Man, I love it. It's such yeah. a it's such a cool studio. It's a great step up. Um, so, kudos to David Bash and Chris Nabholtz and all the work they've done. Uh, it's cool to see how their company's grown and the number of podcasts they're now handling in Augusta. That's I right. Think it's over twenty now. That's um, right. So, it's just. Uh, just a, a cool atmosphere. Well, and we have a, a screen up that, to share with you some information. You can go to AugustaPodcasts.com, and they're also very heavily involved in LinkedIn and also a YouTube channel. So you may want to check that out. You may get some ideas as well. Well, we uh, want to continue with Paul Myers of MyersHouseBuyers.com and I suppose the anacronym for this particular segment is REI. Now, I'm an old guy. I remember REO, Speedwagon. But what, what's REI? <laughs> remember that? REI is just a short acronym for real estate investing. Okay. Right? And uh, every investor or person that wants to get into real estate investing really would benefit from doing an inventory of themselves mm -hmm. and thinking and asking the questions, okay, what what are my... T what time do I have available to dedicate to this? What, um, what cash do I have available? And if I don't have cash, who do I know that could lend me cash? You know, what's my credit look like? What, um, what's my debt to income ratio? Have I met with a mortgage broker and gotten a pre-qualification letter? Do I want to start with rentals or do I want to start with fix and flips or wholesaling? There's a lot of different ways that people can get started in real estate investing. But the best way to figure out what is going to be a good fit for you is just doing a, a self-assessment or an inventory of, of your strengths. Outstanding. And we'll get to some of the specifics on that. But you mentioned flipping. Those reality shows have really taken off on cable over the last decade, I would say. Yeah. Do you think those are a little bit fabricated for television or do you feel that they are realistic and those success stories do happen? I think it's both, okay. right? They're making it for TV, so they're adding in the drama. But I don't think they're fudging the numbers. I mean, I think a lot of it's very easy on flips to to really make twenty to fifty thousand dollars if you do them the right way, and if you're targeting the right owner occupant buyer, and you're partnering with real estate agents to understand what fair market value is, and even paying real estate agents for design fees or, or hiring a designer. So you're making mm -hmm. sure that your interior design is on point. Right. Excellent. Well, back to the numbers uh, here with the self-assessment. Um, do you recommend uh, generating your own cash or maybe going to a private lender to get started? Well, if I could have done things differently 15 years ago, what I would have done is found a private money lender. Because if you're just using your own cash, that's obviously a finite resource. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, for the first 10 years I was investing, all I could do was get a conventional mortgage and make a down payment. So I didn't have access. And that might only account for 10 or 20% of the deals in the market. If you want access to 100% of the deals and the whole pie, 
you need to be able to pay cash for homes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do now is right. We offer cash for homes that opens you up to really any deal, regardless of the condition of the property. Whereas if you're just can, all you can do is a conventional mortgage, you Mm -hmm. know, that's going to really limit the types of deals you can do. Gotcha. So in theory, other people's money, meaning, meaning, borrowing and such. But uh, by the way, the website is myershousebuyers.com to learn about uh, a cash sale of your home. Or in fact, if you would like to invest, you can get on Paul's email list. How about credit scores? Uh, They say if you're trying to just buy your own home for your family, they like about 600, 650 ish. Is yeah. that similar for investors? Yeah, I think that's fair. Typically for a, what's called a non-owner occupied mortgage, you're going to pay a half to a full percent above whatever typical mm-hmm. rates are. So if you could get a 15 year fixed rate on your home for two and a half percent today, if you're buying a rental property, you'd probably be at three and a half percent. But yeah, 600, 650, 700, the mortgage brokers have tiers. And the higher your score, the better a tier you're going to be in to qualify for a par rate. But if your score starts dropping down, you could still probably get a conventional mortgage, but you're going to get hit with a quarter point or a half a point that you're going to have to pay at closing. Gotcha. Well, some people who get involved in investing are really handy people, and they like to get the hammer and the nails out there. And some folks are wheeler dealers, and they just make deals. Um, What's best or what are your thoughts about skill sets? To each his own, right? (laughs) Um, I've never been that handy of a person. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I've always been kind of a deal junkie and really enjoyed the thrill of putting together a deal, Mm -hmm. negotiating the price, you know, putting together the financing, raising the private money, which maybe covers the down payment or maybe that covers the renovation Mm -hmm. budget. Um, But that just wasn't a strength for me. So I had to rely on, when I first started buying in 2009 and 10, it was, how can I find a deal that just needs the paint and the carpet? Mm-hmm. And I know I can sub those out and still work my nine to five and maybe just pay some subs to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think if you've got a nine to five, it's going to be harder for you to really um, get on on site and do a lot of the work. Um, but if you're handy, I mean, there's a lot of things that opens up to you, right? You don't have to pay for a lot of the maintenance that you typically mm-hmm. would. Um, you may can even take on property management and leasing if you wanted to as well to save from having to pay a property manager. What is criteria and how might criteria help you? Criteria is everything when it comes to figuring out what you want mm-hmm. and finding it. If you don't take the time to identify exactly what you want. Not only will you not be able to identify it for yourself, but real estate agents and other people in your sphere of influence won't know mm-hmm. what a deal is for you because you haven't clearly defined it for them. Gotcha. So every investor should sit down and say, and investors come to me all the time and they say, well, send me a deal, right? Give you know, just send me a deal. Well, what zip code do you want to be in? What how much of a renovation are you comfortable with? Are you comfortable with a five or $10,000 paint and carpet light, you know, cosmetic renovation, mm-hmm. or are you open to a, a heavier renovation that includes kitchen and baths? Or are you open to a renovation that's down to the studs that, you know, needs everything or maybe a burnout? You know, those are, those are different levels of, of rehab that different investors are comfortable with. So knowing where, 
knowing what, and then I would be even more specific on the where, like tell real estate agents, I have a whole written out criteria. It's a mm-hmm. one page word document and I've sent it to probably hundreds of real estate agents over the last 10, 15 years, have that ready to go. So if you're checking out at Lowe's and you meet a real estate agent, you can say, Hey, when I get back to my office, I'm going to email you my criteria. What's a deal for me. If you ever come across something like that, please let me know. And I'd, I'd be happy to take a look at it quickly and make an offer. And I could, yeah, time is money, huh? That's right. I mean, I still have, I still like to tell the story of a townhome over behind Giuseppe's on, uh, off Wheeler road. Right. And I had, yeah, I had met a real estate agent a year earlier and she just saved me in her phone as investor. And then she had a client that wanted to sell this property. She called me and three other investors. And the only reason she called me was because I had, um, I had sent her my criteria and the deal wasn't even in my criteria. I wanted three, two brick ranches in Martinez off Columbia road. Right. And she sent me a townhome off Wheeler road, <laughs> but sure enough, it was such a good deal. She, she said they wanted 75 for it. And I offered them 75. I put it under contract and there was already a tenant in the property. I bought it for 75,000 paid cash. And then a couple of years later, I ended up selling it for 120,000. Wow. All because I was ready with my criteria. I clearly communicated to it to her. She thought of me in her mind as an investor. Right. And then when she had a deal, then she reached back out yeah. to me and, and I was top of mind. I'm not a mathematician, but kids, that's $45,000 right there. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you, 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 the yeah. equity you built up over the few yeah. years, right? Yeah. And again, the moral story is know what a deal is for you so that you can communicate that to other people. Then you can, you know, encompass their help to aid you in finding what you're looking for. What kind of marketing advice would you give to investors? Well, there are inexpensive ways to start marketing and there are more expensive ways. Mm -hmm. The inexpensive way is typically more time intensive, right? It's it's driving for dollars, which just costs you your gas, right? And then getting those addresses and skip tracing them and finding out people's phone numbers and then texting them. You can send texts for under a penny a text, right? Or you can send ringless voicemails for twelve cents a ringless voicemail, and those are pretty inexpensive ways of Mm -hmm. actually um, contacting people. When you start getting into mailing, that's when you're going to pay fifty cents a postcard or a dollar for a letter. And if someone is just starting out, do what I did: handwrite, create a professional template, Mm -hmm. you know, in Microsoft Word with your with your letter, print it off hand sign it, stuff it in an envelope yourself and don't pay on it. So we pay an outside vendor all that money because they're doing all the the prep and we use their templates. But when you're starting off, just do all that yourself and you can save a significant amount of money. Outstanding. So that's the, that's kind of the, the marketing uh, aspect of it. Um, again, Paul's website is myershousebuyers.com, myershousebuyers.com. Lots of resources on there as well. Uh, talk a little bit about the deal analysis. Yeah. Gosh, most of it is just I've borrowed from Gary Keller, who's the founder of Keller Williams Realty. Right. And he wrote, he's written several amazing books. He's written The Millionaire Real Estate and Investor, Hold, um, shift. There's several great books that I'd recommend, but he has, um, I've adopted a, many years ago, just two 
Excel spreadsheets. One is called the buy and sell terms worksheet. One is called the buy and hold terms worksheet. And I've used those really simply to analyze properties I want to buy to flip and to mm -hmm. analyze properties I want to buy and hold as rentals. So as you can imagine, the f and analyzing a flip is a lot different. You're looking at what's your cost to purchase the home, what's your cost to renovate the home, what's your cost to sell the home, and what's your cost to hold it while you're doing all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it takes those four areas so that you don't overlook anything and then tells you what you could pay for the home, right? The buy and hold analysis, if you're looking at buying a rental, is more cash flow oriented. Mm -hmm. And it looks at a, a sample month and it says, if you pay X for the property and you got a mortgage for 80% mm -hmm. at this interest rate over this term, whether it's 15 or 30 years, what would be your, what could be your rent that you could get? And then your maintenance and your vacancy and your taxes and insurance and your principal and interest. What are all those expenses and what would be your remaining net cash flow? Mm -hmm. So there are two different ways to analyze deals depending on whether you're flipping or renting. So Paul, they say that uh, cash is king in general. Is it the same in the real estate business? Absolutely. If you can pay cash for a house, you're not going to be competing against financed offers, mm -hmm. right? And you can allow your offer to not be contingent on an appraisal or financing. So the seller really appreciates that. They mm -hmm. look at that as um, superior to other offers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's huge. You speak of the 10, 50, 40 rule and how has that worked in your life and do you advise it for others? Absolutely. Yeah. The 10, 50, 40 rule is just simply tithing 10%, mm -hmm. living off of 40% of what you make and then investing 50%. And other people could get more aggressive than that or less aggressive. It just depends mm -hmm. on what you and your spouse or, or your household feel like you can accomplish. But that was a huge contributor to our success because my entire career, we were always living off as little as we could so that we could have as much as we could to invest. To live on a budget, find out how much you can um, clear beyond mm -hmm. your budget as your, and then put that into a sacred savings account and consider that your initial investment capital. And that can be what you use to fund, hey, your down payment on your first rental, maybe the renovation costs on the rental or the closing costs. So. so that's, of course, that's your own money, the, the sort of the cash way. Where else might you find money in more traditional ways to be able to still invest and have multiple properties? Yeah. Well, you can always partner with a mortgage broker and typically they're going to want you to put 20 to 25% down, but everyone should at least, if you have a W-2 income, right? And you have decent credit, you should sit down with a mortgage broker and get pre-approved and figure out what you can qualify for. Mm -hmm. Because that type of debt is going to be 15 or 30 years. It's a fixed rate. So the rate can never change. And the payment's always going to be the same, right? So right. that's kind of the gold standard. If you can if you're looking to buy a rental, of course, your financing has to match your exit strategy. Mm -hmm. um, so rentals, you know, conventional financing. But if you're looking for flips, you you probably want to find a private money lender. And that's mm -hmm. somebody who they've got a high net worth. It could be three to $10 million, but they're, they're comfortable lending you $100,000. It's not going to change their world. Maybe they uh, believe in you or maybe mm -hmm. they just want to make a good return. Maybe they want to make 6 to 12% on their mm -hmm. money. And you can provide them that if you can get in and do a flip. Paying that amount of interest, you know, for six or twelve months is really not much right. in the grand scheme of things. If you're going to make twenty, thirty, forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, so 
Um, the other things I'd say too is if you, you equity lines of credit are a great way to have liquidity, which I've used to be able to pay cash for homes. Um, and then if you have a bunch of rental properties that you have significant equity in, you could always put a blanket mortgage on some of those to either get equity out within reason, you know, within, mm -hmm. with, with, you know, conservative leverage. Um, or if you want to put those on a longer term fixed rate mortgage, like a, a blanket mortgage, you can do that, which if you're wanting to keep them for a long term as a rental is, is good. Sure. So if someone signs up as an investor to be on your email list at um, myershousebuyers.com and they find something they like, they make an offer, you say yes, how quickly might they close? Would you be at the closing table? We typically close within a week or two. Wow. Yeah, it's we're we're positioning a lot of those opportunities as strictly ca for cash buyers only. Sure. So if we have a you know a walkthrough at a house and then someone submits a a winning bid, and we typically let them know within twenty four hours, hey, you won the property, and you're going to need to close in cash within a week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. If you can, if you can pay cash for homes, it would open you up to all of our deals. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, you move the pie from being only able to look at maybe five or 10% of homes on the mm -hmm. market to a hundred percent of any deal, if you can pay cash for it. So they close, but the property is as is. Yeah. What do they do? Well, it depends on whether it's a, a flip or a rental mm -hmm. and what your exit strategy is, sure. right? If it's a, if it's a rental, you want to, you know, put together your kind of bare minimum scope of work to be able to get mm -hmm. the property rent ready. And mm -hmm. depends on where the property is, is to the types of finishes you're going to use. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be something you could consult, you know, maybe a real estate agent on. But mm -hmm. on, on a flip, you definitely might want to consult a real estate agent or a design expert to figure out what kind of finishes you're going to go with for the kitchen or for the baths or whatnot. But um, if it's a flip, you know, you, you need to hopefully during the due diligence period, you would have used a general contractor or gotten inspections. And you ultimately need to create a scope of work of everything you want to do to the property, buy room in the house. And then after you've closed, you put the lockbox on the door and it's up to you to get your subs in or your general contractor in and, and get the project rolling. I thought we'd take a moment and look at uh, two case studies of, of deals. Um, 3302 McDonald Street. Where is yep. that in Augusta? It is. It's, do you know where the Wife Saver is on Washington Road? It's right behind that. Yes, uh, Martinez. Is mm -hmm. that right? That's right. Kind of right okay. on the right on the border. On there. the border. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Okay. Yeah. One of the side streets that run right. near there. And um, how did that deal go? It was a property that I actually personally drove by. Um, which is kind of unique because um, I have someone doing driving now, but I personally drove by and saw the property and it looked actually really nice. Um, the property didn't have any signs of uh, distress whatsoever. In fact, it looked like it had just been pressure washed. Um, but I thought to myself, the location's amazing and it's a duplex. So right. why, why not just send them a postcard, right? Why not? Yeah. Um, so I did just that, right? I, I sent them a, sent them a letter. And the moment the gentleman who owned it got the letter, he called me immediately. And uh, just met him over at the house and the right side was occupied, but the left wasn't. So I went and took, took a look at the uh, inside of the left side of the duplex mm -hmm. and ended up, um, we ended up negotiating a price right there on the spot. I think he wanted 90 or so. And 
I thought it was a really good deal. And I ended up offering him, I forget what I initially offered him, but we ended up agreeing at 82,000 and mm -hmm. we did the contract right there on my hood of my car. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up paying cash, uh, for that property. Um, I used an equity line to pay cash for it. And I ended up investing about $10,000 to renovate it. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cosmetic. I did paint, I did carpet, a little bit of updates to the bathrooms. Um, did a you few, rent it out? A few other things. I did end up renting the left mm -hmm. side out. So I rented the left side out for eight seventy five, and mm -hmm. the right side was already leased for five seventy five. So right. I ultimately bought it for eighty two. I put ten into it. Mm -hmm. I was into it for ninety two grand. Yeah. It appraised for one hundred and forty five thousand. Wow. So I had about fifty thousand dollars in equity, roughly. Mm -hmm. And then I did a refinance, which a lot of people now call this the Burr method, mm -hmm. which is B R R R R. It simply stands for buy some. If you buy something, then you renovate it, then you rent it out, then you refinance it, then you repeat. Wow! And it's kind of a way to essentially use cash to buy homes, but then get all your cash back. So mm -hmm. then you're locked and loaded for the next deal. Right. Um, so I did Burr that home. I ended up buy, borrowing back out what I had in it. So essentially at the end of the day, I had the duplex. I owed what I had in it, which was 95 or a hundred roughly. Mm -hmm. If you add in the closing costs into my rent, my renovation budget and my purchase. And then the property was cash flowing my mortgage payments around seven, 800 bucks. And so I had the equity, I had the cash flow and that's kind of your ideal, perfect deal. Wonderful. And the last one, which was a flip, at 1001 Eustace Drive. That is so familiar, that address. Not the yeah. specific address, but the area. Yeah, that's in Bedford Heights off of Washington Road next to National Hills. Okay. Really close to Lake Almond right down okay, there. Okay, yes. Yep. Oh, kind that's of right. around that bend. and. That's right. Right yeah. before you get on Calhoun, it's yes. over there to the uh, left. If you're, yep. if you're heading east on Washington Road. Sure. Um, That's a hidden jewel back there because you're right. Is, the lake yeah. is right there. If you wanted to turn it into like a, a VRBO slash master's rental, mm -hmm. it's just the perfect area. Yeah. You couldn't drop a home into a better place in Augusta. Um, I'm not an Airbnb VRBO yeah. you know, special event income guy. That's not my focus. Right. I'm more of a long-term 12-month lease you mm -hmm. know, uh, sure. approach. But um, I just think that was an interesting property because – I've had so many people since I bought it say to me, oh, I'm familiar with that house or I saw that when it was on market. And this is a deal I bought this year in January and it was an on market deal. So for all the investors out there that are saying you can't find deals on market, and I know it's a hot market, by the way, mm -hmm. I get that. That deal was publicly listed with a bank REO agent. Anyone could have bought that. They right. they uh, had it listed for like 105 or 115 or something. Sounds light to me. It was low. low. It was yeah. pretty low, but the home went under contract probably three or four times. It kept falling out, and every time it fell out, the um, the bank that owned it cut the price another 10 grand. Mm -hmm. So I think by the time they cut it down to around 95, <sighs> I think I bought it. I made an offer and got it accepted around 85. Wow. So... It's just a it's just a great reminder that there's so many opportunities, even on market in today's hot market, to find deals that are, you know, overlooked by other people. Outstanding. Well, once again, if you if you have interest in investing and you want to get on Paul's email list, there's 
1,700. Now, they're not all investors. Some are real estate agents. Is that right? Some are real estate agents, yes. 1,700 on your list of people that are really interested and excited about this process. Uh, just go to MyersHouseBuyers.com, and there's an easy way for you to get on the email list. Yeah. I wanted to give a, a shout-out to uh, AugustaPodcast.com. You can go to their site as well, and if you're a business and you want to get involved and do podcasts and share information, or if you just have a hobby and you'd like to uh, kind of have a sense of being on the radio, if you will, uh, just go to their website or check out some of their segments on the various social media channels. Paul, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to reach me, I'm happy to offer my personal cell phone, which is 706-294-7343. I'm always available if someone wants to just reach out to me and touch base. Or if they want to get on our cash buyer list, they can also email Reeves, which is spelled R-E-E-V-E-S, mm -hmm. Reeves at MyersHouseBuyers.com. And Reeves is one of our team members. He can add them onto our cash. We do need their email and phone number. And uh, then Reeves will reach back out to them and ask them what is their criteria. Ah. And uh, he has about uh, nine or 10 questions. He'll ask them to kind of figure that out. So why am I not surprised? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Neil. You Appreciate got it. it. Well, hi there. I'm certainly excited about this podcast. If you are in the real estate industry, you are in for a treat because we're going to try to ring the cash register <laughs> with Paul Myers of MyersHouseBuyers.com. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Life is about word of mouth and referral business. And right. I'm guessing uh, the way that you're able to buy homes for cash and sell homes for cash, the real estate agents are, are involved often. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're a huge part of what we do. And um, I try and maintain as many relationships with real estate agents as I can. And I've done that for 15 years now because mm -hmm. ultimately – Real estate agents are um, professionals. They're worth every bit of the money they earn, and they are the gatekeepers oftentimes to that distressed property or that distressed seller. Sure. And you mentioned they're worth every penny. Of course, you know, um, half of the deal is usually about 3%. Mm -hmm. Sure. Is that, is that fair? That's I mean, right. It yeah. could vary a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, you have a way to double that. To yeah. 6%. Absolutely. Are you listening now? <laughs> How so? I mean, if, if, if you're an investor, it's very important to make sure that real estate agents know that you're unrepresented. Mm -hmm. And so typically when I'm calling a real estate agent, I always start off and let them know, hey, would you mind writing my offer? I'm not represented by an agent. And that means that the listing agent, if you're, when you're calling the listing agent directly, mm -hmm. is going to get 3% can now get 6% right. because they can write your offer and represent you as a buyer, which then becomes dual agency. So if an agent can be a dual agent, they can essentially go from making 3% to 6%. So in the last 15 years, I've only written one offer. Wow. Um, and I've gotten a commission on, a, on writing my own offer one time because right. to me, I would rather support and let that agent work both sides of it. Well, let's try to run through some real-life examples. One out in Columbia County, involved the dreaded mold. Yeah, you remember absolutely. That one? Absolutely. That was a deal that I bought earlier this year. Again, a real estate agent called me directly, mm -hmm. and she knew that by doing that, she would be able to work both sides mm -hmm. of the 
of the deal. And so ultimately I paid cash for that home. And when I did, instead of her making 3% on $160,000, she made 6% on $160,000. And a lot of people just refer to it as the double dip technique, but ultimately it's a phenomenal way to um, support agents and allow them to, to make a, a larger income. And I'm guessing they don't want to associate mold with their good name. That was part of it. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I've had a a real estate agent, you know, I was at the dentist and the real estate agent was point blank told me, I don't want to be associated with, and it wasn't that particular, but it was a different Mm -hmm. one and a different agent. But she said to me, I don't want my reputation to be associated with this distressed property. In other words, it was too ugly to list. And that's ah. oftentimes what I tell agents. You got anything that's too ugly to list, just give us a call. We're local. Within 24 hours, we'll go out and look at it. Mm-hmm. And if we can make a cash offer, we'll typically nine times out of 10, we'll almost always make an offer if we're going to invest the time to go out. And if it works for the seller, great. And you can make double the commission because you'll write our offer. Or if it doesn't, no problem at all. No harm done. At least that seller has a cash offer, even if it's a low ball offer mm-hmm. and it not, it, sometimes our offers are low ball, sometimes are not, but at least they've got a, a, you know, kind of a floor that they know they may could sell it for. And a lot of times listing agents are dealing with sellers that want way too much. If they get a really low offer, it might be the first step towards that real estate agent being able to convince their seller yeah. to do a price reduction. And of course, sometimes there's there's an expiration date on listings or maybe the house is just priced too high. Mm-hmm. How does that part work? Well, we typically just, if a listing agent has the listing, we only work through the listing mm-hmm. agent. We'll just call them directly. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were to lose the listing, then you know, we, we don't ever try and work around real estate agents. No, no. We don't ever wait yet till a listing expires or anything like that. But before it expires, but before they can it expires, come to you. Absolutely. And then how does the rest of the deal go? Typically, they're coming to us before they even list it. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, I've got this property I'm going to list, but it's really ugly. It's got a mold problem or the seller needs to sell in two weeks or um, it could be any number of things. It's a major, major rehab. And so then we typically go look at it and then let them know what we can offer. And we'll send a, a simple offer sheet to the agent so that they have all the, the information they need to be able to write our offer on our behalf. And I'm sure agents um, have challenges with financing. And that's another sort of real life example. Absolutely. Yeah. That property, that example with the mold, other agents aren't going to want to bring their clients in because it's a health risk, mm-hmm. right, to, to walk through a, a mold-infested property. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, any property that has a need of more than twenty dollars or $30,000 in renovation, it's not going to qualify for conventional financing. Um, it's, it's going to fall outside of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac underwriting guidelines. So uh, w- a lot of properties just by their the nature of the amount of distress they have, they're just going to be better suited to be sold for cash to an investor. Well, if you'd like to develop a referral relationship with Paul, you may just want to go, first of all, to the website at MyersHouseBuyers.com. Lots of good resources. You'll kind of get to learn a little bit more about Paul's story and see if you'd like to pick up the phone and, and get the ball rolling, I suppose. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, if any real estate real estate agent wants to reach me directly, my cell phone is 706-294-7343. And I'm more than happy to have a conversation with them if they've got a deal. Um, additionally, you know, we do, I do speaking engagements mm-hmm. at local real estate brokerages. I've done several just in the last year or two at Keller Williams and Maybaum. So if any brokerage wants to have me come in, we typically talk about sure. three different things, either my story or real estate investing 101, or we'll talk about wholesaling. Um, and before we scoot, though, um, let's just share a few other things. Sometimes you encounter a lot of sellers that want a retail buyer. So how can you help in that situation? Yeah, if we we do so much advertising, I mean, I mentioned we send 22,000 postcards a month and we spend over $10,000 to do that. Oftentimes we'll unearth a seller that wants retail. And when that's the case, we're not going to be able to pay them what they want because we have to be able to buy at a discount to make a profit. Mm -hmm. And so we typically will refer that seller. Hey, if you want retail, I would, I would recommend you see a real estate agent because you know, they can, they can put your home on the MLS and see if you can, you can get retail for it. So we'll refer those opportunities out to real estate agents. Directly. And, and that's the, again, that's part of that referral relationship. That's right. In this case, you're providing leads to the real that's estate right. agent. And sometimes it works in reverse, in reverse rather. That's right. um, how many of these um, homes do you purchase and put out there for investors or realtors to sort of look at per month? We're probably in the five to 10 homes mm-hmm. a month range that we send out. So if someone does get on our email list, that's about the volume they can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have homes, uh, we have occasional raw land, we have mobile homes, we have brick ranches, and we market to a 15 zip code area throughout mm-hmm. the CSRA, anywhere from Harlem, Grovetown, Evans, Martinez, over to Aiken and North Augusta and Belvedere and Clearwater and into South Augusta and Hepzibah. So any the, that's the geographic orientation of where our deals are going to be. Do some agents, would you say, um, work with investors as well? And then how would the referral relationship work in that situation? Yeah, agents bring us deals all the time. And again, they can they can double dip on the transaction um, if they bring it to us directly. If, if they have a pocket listing or they're gonna, about to list a property, and they want a, an idea of what it might bring if they were to put it on the open market, then sometimes we'll we'll work with them beforehand and, and make them an offer directly. For a buy-side commission. The buy-side commission, yeah. That way they can get both the sell-side and the buy-side commission. Right. Outstanding. Well, it's, it's great to chat and to reiterate what Paul mentioned. Um, hey, if you'd like to uh, kind of have a keynote speaker to kick off your sales meeting, because I know... Good real estate companies try to get together every now and then. And and I know your experiences have always been great and welcoming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. We've been able to talk um, at the Keller Williams in Augusta and Aiken and several times at Maybaum. So it just depends on what someone wants to encourage. If they want to encourage their agents and educate them on how best to work with investors Mm -hmm. for when they have investor clients, um, I think that's a big benefit to agents, right? All agents, you know how we have a 1,700 person cash buyer list? Yeah. Every real estate agent should have an investor list, a Rolodex of even if it's just three to five Mm -hmm. cash buyer investors. Um, we hope that Myers House Buyers is that for one, for the real estate agents out there, but we also know there's, there's tons of other investors. So I always encourage agents to 
figure out how to work with investors and speak their language and learn how they analyze deals so that you can take them something that's a fit for them and then they can it, it, it matches their financial criteria for what they consider a deal. And then they can make 6% instead of 3%. Why not? Double dipping. Double dipping. It it's makes okay. It makes perfect sense. And really, I learned that by accident back in the recession in 2009 and 10 and 11. I started calling bank-owned listing agents directly. And somehow them making twice as much money made my offers get accepted more often. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Hey, hey Imagine. once again, the phone number and the website up on the screen. Paul Myers, MyersHouseBuyers.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate, Appreciate you. Neil.